Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, where every week we debunk the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding. And today I have with me Dr. Andrew Doro. Dr. Doro, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Dr. Doro is a native of St. Louis, Missouri. He attended Westminster College in Fulton, Missouri, and graduated with a Bachelor of Science degree in biology. He then earned his Doctor of Chiropractic degree from Logan College of Chiropractic in St. Louis. In addition, he has a postgraduate certification from the International Chiropractic Pediatric Association, CACCP, which enables him to deliver highly skilled and safe treatment to prenatal, maternal, postnatal, neonatal, and infant patients. So, today we are here to talk about how chiropractic uh, care can help your baby in, in a way that you probably just really haven't thought about. So, Dr. Doro, I have a whole lot of questions for you. First of all, if I'm a parent, the very first thing I'm going to ask is, well, wait a minute, you're a chiropractor. Don't they snap people's necks and stuff like that? Isn't Like, is this safe for a baby? Marie, I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's a very, very... Good question and a very common concern. So to answer your question correctly and concisely, yes, if done correctly by an experienced pediatric chiropractor, the treatment is very safe. Most people, when they think of chiropractic, imagine that high force thrust-like treatment. But see, for infants, it's not the case because their spine isn't developed uh, correctly to withstand that kind of uh, application of manual therapy. So it's a very light touch, hands-on only application of manual therapy. Okay. And so would you say, how does the baby react when you, uh, first of all, let's back up a minute. How, how exactly do you examine the baby? Where do you start when the baby is brought to you? And when I say baby, I'm thinking of something as early as a newborn, uh, maybe a few days old. Is that possible? Very possible. In fact, yes, in the office I work in, it's very common for me to see, uh, you know, an infant either two, three, four, five days old, 10 days old. In fact, the sooner we catch some of these issues, the much better the prognosis or the better the response is. So when I receive an infant, we must keep in mind that we look at the whole child. It's not just one specific spot of the area or the child. We're looking for any kind of imbalances in the head, the neck region, the spine, the extremities. But before I even see the infant, um, there is a lactation specialist and a medical doctor that will rule out any other problems that the infant might be experiencing, whether it might be other medical issues they're having. So when an infant's having trouble breastfeeding, per se, it might not just be the musculoskeletal system. There might be something else going on. So my, my specific exam is mostly, is entirely just musculoskeletal 
and how that relates to the mechanical engagement of the infant feeding. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're looking at the head, the neck, the oral pharyngeal system, where all the suck, latch, swallow, breathe muscles that are involved in breastfeeding. So important that you brought that up because some people think that it's just the intraoral inside the mouth, and that's that it certainly is that, but it's so much more than that. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is so much more than that. It would be the tip of the iceberg. In fact, if that's all you looked at, it would be likely that your outcome would not be uh, suitable for the demand that the parents require to either save or preserve the breastfeeding relationship. So help us to get a visual on this. Do you put the baby on a regular table like you would put the adult? And I assume the baby is fully clothed. Help us to get a visual. If I'm the parent, what should I expect when I walk in your office? Absolutely. So before we even do any kind of hands-on evaluation, a skilled pediatric chiropractor who's well-trained in the uh, history-taking process, which is very, very important to understand the, the, the history of the birth, labor, and delivery. Uh, aside from that, what it would look like when you walk in is a welcoming environment. Um, the baby would at some point be down into their diaper to do a full visual exam. So the first thing that's done is a visual exam. We're looking at any kind of asymmetries in the body, the face, the head, the neck, Mm, anything that seems like it wouldn't be quite right. The shape of the skull, the level of the eyes, is one eye higher than the other? The position of the ears, deviation of the jaw. We're looking for any kind of visual that we can document before we lay hands on. That would be the start of it. So the actual exam itself is performed on a very comfortable specialized pillow that infants fit safely into to help put the body in a position that can be easily seen and detect all the imbalances that might be present. How does the baby react? Typically, the baby just lays there. So uh, in my experience, you know, the younger the infant, the, the more sleepy they are and the, yeah. the easier they are to work with. So that's why I love to try to treat and examine infants in the first 30 days of life. It's mm-hmm. much, much easier to evaluate uh, and get a good idea because a couple things. A lot hasn't happened yet. The, the child can be only five days old. So all we really know is the five days since labor and delivery and the history of labor delivery and maybe what's going on um, in the perinatal phase or the positional phase in utero. If there's compression forces, all these things will let us know exactly what's going on in plain detective on the muscular biomechanics uh, of the infant that underwent that time. Oh, you just so led me into the question I'm cooking up here. (laughs) (laughs) No problem. And that is, uh, most of us know that babies can be in all sorts of positions within the mother. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We can't even begin to address that on on this uh, short hour. But uh, I think that what's important here is there are some positions that are more optimal for birthing. There are some positions that are less optimal for birthing. The position that the mother is in while she is laboring, in my experience, and the research doesn't bear me out quite as well as I would like it to, but uh, typically women are lying flat in order to be uh, monitored with the electronic fetal monitor. And flat is not a very physiologic way to labor, but I digress. So <laughs> so l- let's talk about what happens, for example, uh, 
rupture of membranes. The membranes, when they are present, help to cushion the baby's head. Then the baby eventually comes down the birth canal, is born, etc. So can you talk to us a little bit about those events and how that affects the baby's muscles and bones and more specifically his head? Absolutely. And neck. Mm-hmm. So you had alluded to a optimal baby position, right? You know, yes. something other than breech. So the, the best position would be the vertex head down position. And when we yeah. look at the design of the infant's cranium, which is pretty amazing how it's actually engineered, <laughs> yes. uh, it's designed to compress in such a way to go out of the vaginal canal safely. But as you put it, with recumbent or lying on your back uh types of labor and delivery that can close or narrow down the, the birth canal. Yeah. It actually obstructs the canal, which, incre- which demands more force to be exerted in order to push the child out in a, in a natural delivery. We won't even go into the uh, forces that are added with cesarean section oh. or vacuum extraction, right. or what that can right. do to the That's- head and crap. That's so another whole ball of wax. It's a whole yeah. other ball game, right? So if we just <laughs> yeah. keep it really, really, everything's going really well. I had a great, you know, two-hour delivery and baby came out in 30 minutes with three pushes. Wow, awesome. Even in that scenario, there can be uh, uh, increased exertional force, incorrect exertional force or compression on the head, and that will stress all the soft tissue that the head and neck are involved with. All that soft tissue that gets compressed and out of normal, you know, tension or alignment, if you will, can translate to oral pharyngeal or dysfunction with feeding and airway. So I hope that answers your question a little bit. Um, you know, the, the cranium is meant to contract and expand upon delivery. It's called cranial blowout. And if it doesn't occur correctly, the bones, the skull bones, they will not reset to the normal position which can obstruct all the the, uh, tissues and nerves that go through those cranial bones to make all the soft tissue in the face to work appropriately. All right. So you mentioned that the the ideal position, of course, is vertex where the baby is head down. I'm good. Mm. But as you know, there are other vertex positions. Typically, uh, we would like to see left occiput posterior, or excuse me, anterior. But some of these kids labor while um, while the mother labors and the baby is got a posterior position. And I have seen some uh, babies that are in that position for the bulk of the labor. And there are some very typical signs and symptoms. I could go on about this for days and days. But anyway, uh, but some kids actually get born that way. And that is what parents tend to call sunny side up. Mm-hmm. Okay. In your experience, do, do those babies have more head and neck and soft tissue uh, problems? Yes. So, uh-huh. I, you know, I'm sure glad you asked that because this is where taking a good history in clinic to uh, document right. these, these things, these presentations are very, very important. That is one of the most common ones along with, of course, this is the patient, the demographic that I'm seeing. I can't speak on a half of the world in America, but <laughs> where I am at, in my little corner of the world, it seems to be very, very uh, just obvious to include what you just talked about in combination with cesarean section and vacuum wow. extraction. Yep. Those three are hugely concomitant factors um, for setting us up for structural uh, compression, asymmetry, thus giving uh, an inability to work the mouth 
nose and throat correctly. Mm. Yeah, um, that's just a topic that I have been very passionate about. As a matter of fact, it was the topic of my first peer-reviewed published article. Mm-hmm. Because I saw it so much in clinical practice, but everybody kind of ignored it as though it was, oh, you know, one position, other position, whatever. They're all pretty much, no, they're not pretty much the same. They're really not. Right, not um, at all. And so I can tell you, it just seems to me like those kids come out and they really are, um, they're struggling with a lot of things. So I would think that certainly uh, breastfeeding is one of them. And Dr. Doro has mentioned a couple of times about uh, asymmetry. And if you didn't catch it, what he really meant was that there is a left to right um, inequality, I guess you could say. Uh, So let's back up a minute because I want to talk way more about this on the other side of the break. But there was a piece that Uh, I wanted to mention, because most people are not aware of it, but interestingly enough, I was at the YMCA, I don't know, a couple of months ago, and there was a woman there who was just chatting, and she was pregnant, and she said that she was going in for her cesarean section because she had uh, a breech baby, that is the opposite of what, a vertex, okay? And um, I asked her if she would consider chiropractic care for the Webster technique, and she looked at me like I was totally crazy. Uh, Can you tell us what the Webster technique is? Yes, I can certainly tell you about Webster Technique. And first and foremost, I want to make it very clear that Webster Technique is not a breech-turning technique. It is not oh. obstetric, it's not obstetrician, it's not gynecology. So I want to make that very, very clear. Okay. But it's very simple. So what we do as chiropractors is look at the pelvic, the biomechanics and position of the female pelvis. And we do know that the female pelvis occurs in four different styles or four different types. Oh, I won't mm-hmm. go into right. that, but we do know that for sure. So there's an ideal type of pelvis and a less ideal. And it goes okay. from one uh, to another. So what it does is it's a gentle drop technique. Okay, it means the, the, the um, actual table raises and lowers very s- slightly to help optimize the fetal pelvic position. What that means is it helps optimize the position of the baby inside the uterus. So if the bony anatomy of the pelvis is in a torque or out of normal alignment, and the tailbone follows along with it. There are six ligaments that suspend the uterus in space. There's two in the front called the round ligament, two on the side called the broad ligament, and two in the back, which connects the uterus to the tailbone called the uterosacral ligament. If the bony anatomy twists and turns out of normal position, this tugs on the uterus thusly and creates what's called intrauterine constraint. It's decreased room in the womb. And that causes a baby to not be able to shift and turn and wiggle its body to the downward, head down, vertex position. Yep. So Webster technique corrects the biomechanics or the problem that's causing the baby to be in an abnormal position naturally. Wow. That is the best explanation I've ever heard. Uh, We've got uh, less than a half a minute or so left, but can you just tell us in your clinical practice about what percentage of the time would you say that that's effective? Right now in my office, it's 97% effective. Whoa, that is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. Hey, everybody, do not go away. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host, and I have with me today my guest, 
chiropractor, Dr. Andrew Doro. He has just talked a little bit about labor and delivery, and we're going to talk a whole lot more about babies, mothers, pregnancies, breastfeeding on the other side of the break. So do not go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894 and ask for your bulk discount. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm here today with Dr. Andrew Doro. We're talking about chiropractic care for the newborn or the infant as related to uh, breastfeeding. So, Dr. Doro, we talked a little bit about 
the mother, the pelvis, the position of the mother, the position of the baby, and how all of this can impact on soft tissue. And so I think you helped us to understand that the mouth is actually connected to the rest of the whole body. <laughs> we kind of know that, but uh, in listening to you, it, it's, it makes so much more sense to recognize that these babies can come out with some difficulties that uh, are really not necessarily, I mean, they are latch related, but it's a matter of how can we help that baby to latch. So, Uh, Can you talk to us a little bit about two things? First of all, how does the mother find a pediatric chiropractor as opposed to just a chiropractor? And secondly, how can the pediatric chiropractor help with uh, breastfeeding that is suboptimal? Absolutely. To answer your first question, there are various forms of online databases that can help you uh, navigate through your demographic. Uh, There is through the institution that I studied with called the ICPA, there's a website called ICPA number four kids. And there is a find a doctor locator. So you simply go to their website, you type in your area code, and then you'll look for uh, doctors that specialize in uh, either maternal or pregnancy care or even infant care. So there's definitely ways to do that. I want to repeat that for uh, anyone. I was taking notes really quick here. No I like India, C, Cat, P, Paul, A, right? Correct. A, and then the numeral four, findadoctorlocator.com. So it would be even more simple. Um, it's I, C, P, A, numeral uh-huh. four, kids. Oh, four kids. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah, okay. ICPA4Kids.com. And there is a find a doctor locator on there that will help uh, any parent or even professional navigate through there to see uh, qualified doctors in their area that and their office pedi- location. Pediatric or perinatal, uh, a, a guy like you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. <laughs> and there's also another organization from the ICA, and they have something similar that I believe. Okay. Mm-hmm. So... First of all, why do I want to bring my kid to you in the first place? Because typically that is not something that the physician or the nurse or the lactation consultant is going to uh, suggest. Now, in your practice, I think it's very likely that one of your partners uh, will suggest, well, Dr. Doral might be able to help you. But uh, for the rest of us, what if I'm the nurse in this situation, Mm-hmm. What should be a tip-off to me that I should say to the parent, have you considered chiropractic for your baby who won't Absol- Absolutely. So okay. I guess the best way to answer this would be some things to look for, you know, things that I can identify if your child's body is contributing to a breastfeeding problem. And the best way to do this is tell us in a story form. So uh, if you would okay. kind of roll along with me, let's just yep. talk about little Lucy for a second, okay? okay? Little Lucy, she has a history of, traumatic labor. It was 36 hours long. Mother's on Pitocin. It was induced. She had a cesarean section. She comes out, was not able to go to breast right away. And now she comes into the lactation office or the nurse sees her and she looks like she's in a C-shape. Little Lucy's always in like a roly-poly. It's Uh hard to change her diapers. Her Uh shoulders elevated. You can't see her neck. Her chin's Uh tucked to her chin. She looks to the right. So if you will, Play along with me one second. Uh-huh. What I want you to do, and everyone listening, is to uh-huh. look, look down for me, take a nice deep swallow, let me know how that goes. 
It's difficult. It is. Okay. Now, look down for me, turn your head to the right, and take three swallows and breathe. It's even more difficult. I was just going to say, I, I didn't get past the second one there. Yeah. Exactly. And now, all of a sudden, little, little Lucy's pulling and backing off the chest, very frustrated, almost seemingly yes. gasping for air. She yes. cannot latch. She cannot uh, perform a, a firm latch. She's now chewing or damaging the mother's nipple. She's yep. very fussy at the breast. She maybe on one side can feed on one breast, but not the other. Even if um, maternal breast infection has been ruled out by the medical staff, maybe a mastitis or something like that. Lucy has trouble opening her mouth wide. She can't even get enough tissue in her mouth because she can't open her mouth wide enough. Maybe her tongue doesn't extend past the gum line. Maybe her eye, or maybe her right eye looks a little bit higher than the left eye, or her jaw is deviated to the left, and her lips kind of sucked in. The, the back of part of her head's flattened. See, all these things are signs or symptoms of internal uh, musculoskeletal dysfunction, torsion and strain. So as I'm hearing you talk, I'm thinking about all of the babies that I have seen over many years that are hungry. They are giving hungry cues and I know it's time for them to be hungry. Mm-hmm. And then they get up to the breast, but they fight it. They can't do it. They're on their right. Let's say, okay, roll with me here. Uh, in, in our office, the lactation uh, specialists are very, very adamant about controlling the positioning. And we try to do the cross cradle or, you know, the, uh-huh. the child lying yep. across the lap. So they'll lay on their right side to latch on mom's left breast. It gives mom right. a lot of control. Correct. So uh-huh. we always teach that. So Little Susie has a lot of swelling on the right side of her neck. She has a flat side on the right side of her neck. And it just so happens that the mother's left nipple is almost falling off. It's a mm-hmm. 10 out of 10 pain scale. It, it, there's so much damage and trauma that she's now risking mastitis and infection. that needs to be uh, treated medically, obviously. But this is the, the common um, presentation we're seeing. One side of the neck of the infant uh, is tight. The opposite side of the tongue, under the tongue, is also tight. Those in the muscles are known as the genioglossus group. Okay? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. All, those, the, all those fancy muscles in there, there's a lot of them. Those get tight on the opposite side. And now you have a lipstick compression of the mother's nipple. Maybe it's deviating on one side of the other. So nurses will look for um, a thorough investigation of what the breast is doing in conjunction in relationship to what the infant's body is doing. So they fit together like a nice locking key. So doing a really good collaborative exam, collaborative is the key word, is so paramount in understanding the, the, um, the breadth or the, um, the depth of which this can go. So that's why I was ultimately brought in to this office is because uh, the dyad is so dynamic and so many factors are playing into it that it needs uh, many sets of skills eyes to see what the full picture is presenting. Absolutely. A uh, couple of things that Dr. Doro just mentioned that I want to follow up on. One is he mentioned the cross cradle position. It's also sometimes called the transitional hold. But in any event, the mother has her hand uh, behind the baby's head. And if it's her right hand, I'm doing this while I'm talking. (laughs) (laughs) This is one of the downsides (laughs) of a podcast is I don't have a visual here. But uh, the the mother has her right hand holding the baby's head to her left breast. And that is called transitional hold or uh, cross cradle hold. And when I was younger... 
I kind of didn't teach that unless it was a baby who had very low muscle tone or was premature or some such thing. But in my older, smarter age, I have realized that for the newborn, meaning the first 28 days or so, most babies need that amount of support. Mm-hmm. So even if your baby is normal and breastfeeding well, this is always a good thing, in my opinion, to be doing. And Dr. Doro has just elevated that to, hey, you know, this could be a really good thing in some of these circumstances. And the other thing that he just mentioned was uh, the sore nipples, and he mentioned the uh, lipstick formation. Sometimes what you'll see on a, a quote, quote-unquote sore nipple And when people tell me that they've got sore nipples, I want to know what kind of sore they're talking. But uh, what happens is that in the first several seconds after the baby comes off the breast, if you see that your nipple looks like the shape of a new lipstick, you know, you buy a new lipstick in the drugstore or wherever, and it's got that um, sort of angled thing at the top. That's what he means by that. And so while I would not... None of these things, and I don't think Dr. Doro is saying this, but none of these things are a one cause or a one solution. There's, it, it's often very multifaceted. But uh, I think that between the two of us, we've painted some pictures here for how if you're seeing these kinds of things, then maybe chiropractic is something that you want to explore And I would suggest, yeah, you really want to see a a pediatric chiropractor if you possibly can. So then, uh, did we make a good enough case here for collaboration? I think we did, but feel free to say more. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty clear now. Many hands make light work. Well, and you know, here's the thing. We all have different qualifications, experiences, strategies, whatever. And very frequently with these babies, You just need a lot of brain power behind it to figure out, Mm -hmm. okay, so what is it? And I want you to talk a little bit about torticollis. If you could, please. Uh, This is something that I am very sure that I missed for years on end. I think I just was too dumb to realize (laughs) when it was happening. It's okay. Even though (laughs) I should have anticipated it. But tell (laughs) us about torticollis and how it what are some of the clues and how can you help these babies? Because I'm absolutely. sure you can. Yep. Oh, absolutely. So this is a, a tender topic and here's why. Okay. True torticollis is not that common. Okay. So what torticollis is by definition is a spasm of a specific muscle in the front of the neck. It's called the sternocleidomastoid. The SCM. Exactly. (laughs) And if we look at that, you Google images, it is a very prominent presentation. Mm -hmm. So if the right SCM is in spasm, you will have a tilting of the head to the right and and the chin tucked down to the left. You can actually feel that muscle. It's very big. But not all head turned or, you know, rotation of the head is because of that SCM. There are many, many neck muscles that allow for head rotation. So just because the child's head is turned one way or the other and stuck there doesn't necessarily mean it should be diagnosed as torticollis. Okay. So very commonly, I will notice that the chin is up in the air and the child is rotated to the right. Well, those are the, those are the neck muscles in the back of the neck that are 
causing that kinesiology or that oh, biomechanic to occur. Oh, so understanding gotcha. kinesiology and biomechanics is imperative to right. understanding how to manage the case appropriately. Because torticollis and upper cervical you know, muscle spasm in the back of the neck, they actually respond on very different rates. I have read that uh, torticollis, 70% of them are on the right side. Do you believe that's true? I will say that is a very accurate statement. We don't uh-huh. know why. And just to be, you know, even one more uh, step forward with that, not only am I noticing uh, torticollis favoring to the right, but I'm also noticing that flat spot of the head to the right or the rotation of the base of the skull mm. towards that same side. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we don't I know. don't... I, I can't find any research to substantiate it one way or the other. Well... As I often like to say, one nurse's observations do not a study make, but one <laughs> nurse's observations over many decades is probably worth listening to. I personally believe, and I do not have hard data for this, but I do believe that it is somehow related to posterior presentations. It would make sense. The biomechanics yeah. and the positioning would make sense. Absolutely yes. makes yeah. sense. You know? I have to support your case. <laughs> yeah. And I guess that's another reason for why I, I try hard to help people to understand that none of these factors are isolated. Some of them are fixable, changeable, preventable, whatever, mm-hmm. but you kind of have to be tuned in to those kinds of things. Yeah. So let me ask you this. If the baby has a torticollis, which, by the way, I can almost guarantee that the pediatrician is not going to clue the parent into. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you do see these, uh, uh, I don't know, is stricture too big of a word here or too strong of a word? Uh, when you see that this baby does not have this movement and it's almost like he's struggling for the breast, Mm-hmm. Is it helpful to get the baby into the pediatric chiropractor real early in the game? Absolutely. Why? If, because. So if you want to preserve a healthy breastfeeding relationship and without any pain, having their neck and head cared for gently, I might add, very, very gently, massage-like treatment of all the cervical spine muscles that allow for mechanical engagement of the head and neck to breastfeed should be balanced and well-treated so it can be relaxed, that even the child may even feel more comfortable. I don't know, but when I see what I see on an infant, and I were to feel that on an adult, the adult would commonly complain of neck pain and headaches. I don't know if infants have headaches, and no one ever really (laughs) will know, but I will say this clinically, with 100% certainty, it seems that that also might be the case. No one enjoys life when you have a neck pain and headaches. Well, that's for sure. Yeah. So it would be very, very beneficial, of course, to have comfortable, safe, you know, soft tissue rehabilitation to support the infant to have head and neck control and oral pharyngeal function to just become a healthy individual in general. It just makes so much sense. Hey, everybody, do not go away. I'm here today with chiropractor Dr. Andrew Doro. We are so much talking about some of these things that are <laughs> so important. And uh, he is talking to us about how he or other chiropractors like him can help. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894 and ask for your bulk discount. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash donor. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm here today with Dr. Andrew Doro. We're talking about chiropractic care and breastfeeding issues. Dr. Doro, I hope that neither one of us have given people the idea that none of these kids come out uh, the way that they're supposed to, because, you know, truly, a lot of kids come out absolutely perfect, but some of them kind of don't. I, from there, want to make the point, is it useful 
to have a baby checked by the chiropractor, even if breastfeeding seems to be going well. Absolutely. Just because your child is, yeah, so just because (laughs) your child is breastfeeding wonderfully does not mean they have some challenges ahead of them. So if we stay very objective here, very, very just based on the facts, you should have your child's head and spine evaluated by a skilled pediatric chiropractor after labor and delivery period. The forces involved in the various forms of delivery can be very high. In fact, and correct me if I'm wrong here, uh, Marie, is William Obstetrics, the standard textbook for obstetricians and gynecologists, report yep. that there can be an excess, an excess of a 90 to 100 pounds of force on an infant when performing various interventions during labor, like cesarean section or vacuum extraction. So when these elevated types of uh, interventions, or I'm sorry, compressions or traction forces are being delivered, it can disrupt the well-being of the structure of the head and neck and spine. So even if you can't breastfeed, some women can't breastfeed, they have insufficient glandular tissue. They literally cannot make milk. They can't breastfeed. But breastfeeding is just a sign or symptom of oropharyngeal cranial dysfunction. So Uh if you're having no problem breastfeeding, but your child always looks to the right or they have a, a flat or a head shape issue, there's other things down the, in the timeline that can be impacted. How the ears drain, how the, how the sinuses function, how the airway is, the dental formation. If the cranial bones are out of alignment, you can, I can bet you the jaw might be deviated, create an abnormal bite, setting you up for braces. Sinus infections. The tear ducts of the eye can't drain correctly. So structure and function are intimately related. The structure of the head impacts the function of the head, and the function of the head is very, very important of an infant uh, in any human, but mostly for an infant in the developing years, uh, the first seven years. So having the head and neck uh, evaluated, even if you're not having breastfeeding issues, in my opinion, uh, is very, very warranted. In fact, I uh, did so for my daughter. Mm, mm. You, you've made a real case here. This is not just about feeding. This is not at all. It's the not just I, about breastfeeding, and it's not just about bottle feeding. It's it's way bigger than that. I stumbled in breastfeeding by accident. I did not wake <laughs> up one morning and go, I want to help babies breastfeed better. No, what I want to do is make sure that because I learned about um, labor delivery and the forces, the force mechanics exerted on the mother and the child and all the things I've learned from there, I realized that we have a population of people, our infants, that are at serious risk. Okay? It's not unknown, it's, it's not news, that our, our augmented delivery or cesarean section rate is on the rise, mm-hmm. about 34%, mm-hmm. is what the last thing I read on you know, the internet, so you can fact check that. But it's high enough to where there are going to be a, a, a large amount of people, including myself, that was this person. I, I interviewed my mom uh, on my birth history and my breastfeeding, and I, was, I had torticollis, I was C-section, and she could not breastfeed because she was in so much pain. She had bleeding nipples, and she had to quit. So I was that case. Uh, And fast forward uh, down the road, I actually had headaches, neck pain, all these other things that had occurred for no obvious reason. So it's not just about breastfeeding. Breastfeeding can be the first sign or symptom of neck and head dysfunction, uh, which is why having your child evaluated and look just to make sure everything's in normal alignment and at a state of ease and well-being uh, would benefit you whether or not you're breastfeeding your child. Well, you made a pretty good case there uh, because it, you know, my world is not completely breastfeeding. It isn't, but I, that does leap to my mind, you know, but mm. I was also thinking of a mother 
I did not see the baby in question. By the time that I helped the mother, I was helping her with baby number two. But somewhere in that, she told me about baby number one. Baby number one had what I believe was a torticollis. And she told me that she said to the pediatrician, there's something wrong with this baby. He doesn't move his head right. He doesn't breastfeed right. He And here's the mother just with no medical education, knowing that there's something wrong. Mm-hmm. And the pediatrician told her, oh, no, no, don't worry about it. He's fine. Okay. Mm-hmm. So fast forward a few months. She takes the baby to the uh, the doctor for the checkup. Don't worry about him. He's fine. Six months down the road, it was, don't worry about him. He's fine. Lo and behold, the baby was two years old and still had what, from what I could gather, was the same symptom of having this uh, spasm of the neck. Mm-hmm. Right. The mother had the wherewithal to get on the plane with this two-year-old and go to the craniofacial center in Atlanta, and they told her, your baby has a torticollis, and we have to surgically release it. Mm-hmm. So the moral of the story here is, first of all, parents should never be afraid to, to get a second opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I honestly don't have any idea who her doctor was, so I'm not bad-mouthing him, but I am saying that a second opinion is never a bad thing, and also that sometimes you have to be the best advocate for your baby because some sort of really negative uh, outcome can occur, and I have no reason to believe that this woman was exaggerating. Now, she this was only just her report to me, mm-hmm. but I have no reason to believe that it was anything other than true. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that occurred to me while you were talking, do we have any data on, I just go out of my mind when somebody says, oh, yes, uh, so-and-so was in labor and she had four hours worth of pushing when we talk about the pressure that is on that baby's head, what do we have any data on what that can do to that soft tissue? That's a great question. Uh, you know, none that I, you know, level one, very, very sound objective data. It's hard to come by because okay. you probably can't get enough people to volunteer oh, for a right. study as such, <laughs> right. unfortunately. Right. But, you know, yeah. that's a great question. My answer is I just don't know. And they're yeah. probably the truth is, if there is, it's limited and not nearly conclusive enough to extrapolate any meaning. Cause and effect, yeah. Yeah, it probably yeah, would say right. more, more research is necessary. Yes. <laughs> Just yes. like torticollis management and physical therapy. Now, most physical therapists won't do anything hands-on until four months old. They'll just yeah, do can a we repositioning. Back up a minute? Wait mm-hmm. a minute. I want to back up on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of parents would have said to me, well, can't I just take the baby for physical therapy? And my answer is, of course. It's your course. baby, and you can take him anywhere you want to, and physical therapy would probably be a good idea. But mm-hmm. could you consider seeing the chiropractor first? Okay, good. So uh, why should the parent see the chiropractor first, other than oh. because Marie said so? Absolutely. I'm so glad you asked <laughs> this. The answer is very simple. Okay. We are trained and experts in assessing the spine biomechanics. If the core issue is rotation of a vertebra or, you know, a a translation or movement from normal position in the deep core of your spine, everything around is going to turn and twist along with it. So if we're just stretching the outside of us, just looking at the outside layer of us and and doing some long lever stretches, we're going to miss 
treating and feeling the actual cause, the deep structural strain rotation at the core of where our spine meets our cranium. It's called the occipital lantal junction, where the very top of the spine meets the occiput, the base of the skull. That's a very freely movable, influential joint. It's very mobile. So if that's not treated and looked at correctly, um, we might miss the cause of the muscle spasm. So treating the cause and not the effect will be will render you a much quicker uh, result and a much better prognosis. Uh, having said that, I think it's important to always do both things simultaneously for a patient, not just one or the other. You know, I, I very, very commonly recommend the infants that I treat see a physical therapist if they were to take them on as soon as I see them. But when I see them, they're normally 5, 10, 15, you know, 30 days old. They it'll really don't qualify for any kind of physical therapy until four months. So early intervention is, in my opinion, very, very cost conservative, very easy to deal with. And instead of war- dealing with an infant who's four to six months old, has torticollis, has head shape or plagiocephaly, now looking at weeks of um, uncomfortable physical therapy and possibly helmeting. Because helmets are also on the rise. About how many visits does a baby need to make uh, for you to give treatment before there is a substantial difference? In the first in the 30 days, I would say anywhere between three and six treatments. Okay. Mm-hmm. And how closely spaced are those treatments? When you see an infant, you know, less is more. You don't want to overwhelm an overstimulated child. You know, okay. depending on how the practitioner practices, the most I would see an infant in a given week would be twice with a three to four day spread. Spread. Between visits, yeah. We, we want okay. enough time for everyone to be happy and comfortable. We don't want to overwhelm or overstimulate an infant or the family at that, at that matter. So doing so in a very organized, tempo-based fashion will render the best result in combination with at-home care. You have okay. to do at-home care as well. And what would the home care consist of? Absolutely. So supporting bilateral or feeding on both sides. Oh, um, uh-huh. Making sure the child's um, it, so if you're co-sleeping or sleeping with your child in a in a bassinet next to your bed, rotating the um, actual bassinet both ways, north and south, every night will allow your child to look to the right and look yes. to the left. So yes. you do get that equal rounding out. You don't create a um, a constricture in the neck. Always looking right. right. Well, the baby's always going to look to the mom. <laughs> right. You know, yeah, yeah, it absolutely milk. is. So they will look the right. If you live that um, baby on their uh, on their same side every night in the same way, they're going to always look right. They're going to develop a rotation component, and that will manifest itself in all kinds of other structural uh, issues in the future. Dr. Doro, we, mm-hmm. uh, I sort of knew when we went into this show that we'd have way more to talk about than what we uh, would have time for, but right. you had the word plagiocephaly come out of your mouth a couple of times now, so can you talk to us just a little bit about that uh, and, and what it is and what you can do for it? Absolutely. So plagiocephaly is a simple um, abnormal misplacement of the bony anatomy of the head, and the reason it's, right now it's being talked about like it's just cosmetic, it's no big deal. And that might be true in some cases, and it may not be in other cases. The fact of the matter is, no one really knows. If you read the research, it's weak, okay? There just is not a great conclusive evidence on the impact of plagiocephaly or head shape issues and how that is corrected or resolved or even 
uh, prevented. We think that it started mostly happening a lot more uh, frequently back in the early 90s when the American Academy of Pediatrics initiated the back to sleep program where you lay yeah. your child on the back of the on the back so you prevent SIDS, which is That's- totally understandable. But we need to do things, and I would like this to be implemented, uh, commonly practiced at discharge from the hospital. Educate the parents on the potential risk when you have your child uh, on their back. They will, because of gravity and other maybe potential neck issues already from development in utero, uh, develop a flat spot. And if that continues, that shifts the entire cranium, the ears rotate, the jaw deviates, and now you have all kinds of other things that will happen. So plagiocephaly is... Yes, it is cosmetic because we notice it, but it's actually physiologic. Structure and function have an intimate relationship, and they should be regarded as such every single time, uh, regardless of you thinking in, in a vain way. It's not that your child is unattractive. It's more of a brain and uh, cranial function that's important here. So. You are the quintessential chiropractor, structure and function, structure and function, structure and function. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> well, That's my scope. I stick to it. <laughs> I, I was just going to say, uh, that is so typical of a chiropractor's headset, right. you know, is the, the structure and function. So uh, we only have a minute or so left here, but can you give us just a brief overview of, first of all, can you help the baby with that condition and how do you do it? Yeah, so we use a, a, a very uh, delicate, gentle, cranial osteopathic manipulation is this gentle wiggling of the cranium and soft massage of all the tissue that encases the cranium. So if it's caught early, it's much easier to, to prevent or to correct. So the sooner it's noticed, you can do things with gentle um, hands-on uh, fingertip pressure manipulation to help free up the cranium, to help itself move in its own place. I don't actually take a head bone and move it myself. I actually work with the child soften the tissue, and it will naturally take shape. The brain is a driving force for cranial development. As the brain grows, it will pop the dent out of the cranium. So the brain is the driving force. So all we have to do is keep the soft tissue system around the cranium loose enough to give it a, a standing chance. So there's things you can do at home. The parents can do very easily with some at-home care, along with uh, pediatric cranial uh, adjustments or a manipulation, if you will. Wow. Uh, I think that all of us are really impressed. Uh, can you give us just a quick summary or last thoughts of what we should consider about pediatric chiropractic care? We've got only a few seconds here. Absolutely. I think that if you are in a situation where you notice any kind of abnormal strain or presentation or some kind of feature on your child and it's not re- and your child's not responding to anything else, Finding a well-trained and knowledgeable pediatric chiropractor will do you wonders. I've heard this, uh, I've seen this in my own life, caring for my little daughter, and also hundreds, if not almost over thousands of other uh, infants and their families, just by infant well-being, less fussy, better, mm-hmm. better sleep habits, better bowel function, all because the brain stem and the brain, they're functioning normally, because there's no stress and pressure on them. They're happy. So... Absolutely. It'd be very, very wise for everyone to have their infant spine and neck checked. All I can say is I think this is the most well-kept secret of pediatric care that I have heard in quite some time. (laughs) So (laughs) 
I, I am very impressed, and I know that all of our listeners will be as well. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much to Dr. Andrew Doro for being with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm so grateful for all the hard work and what you stand for. And if there's anything I can do to help support that, you just let me know. Oh, I certainly will. If any of you have questions for Dr. Doro, please send them to podcast at borntobebreastfed.com. And uh, I doubt that I could answer any of those, but I know that Dr. Doro can. And I would also like to say for some of the information that we uh didn't go into here, I will be writing a short blog post as related to this, so make sure that you visit me at mariebiancuzo.com, that's M-A-R-I-E-B-I-A-N-C-U-Z-Z-O dot com. Yeah, I know, it's a lot of letters, but it's all I got, folks, and (laughs) I would like to thank all of you for listening and also for visiting me on my website. I would like to encourage you to be with us next week. We will have a different guest on a different topic, and I promise you it'll all be worth it because your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuso next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby. 